Okay, three, two, one. Oh my goodness. Good morning, good afternoon. Whatever it is for you, I hope you're having a fantastic day. My name is Zach Schaumler. This is Strong Opinion Sports. Thank you so very much for tuning in. Today is Sunday, November 24th, and um, a lot of people complain often that the show is too quiet. I believe, I believe I've solved that problem today. Uh, give me an update. I think it sounds a little louder today. Let me know. I hope it does. Okay, I have a couple things that are irking my existence I need to talk about. Before we start the show, right? Number one, I've had chapped lips for like two weeks. I know, I know winter's coming. I know that's like a Game of Thrones reference. I don't care. Winter is here, and the transition from like cold, like from, it's just getting dry outside. And no matter how much chapstick I apply to my body, I cannot for the life of me stop my lips from being, it just, it's painful. It hurts, and I hate it. I don't know if you have the same problem. I don't, I don't know if that's relatable. Maybe it is. I hate having chapped lips, and it hasn't stopped for like two weeks. Number two. There is a new villain in the the world of Zach Schaumler. The the life, uh, the story of my life. There's a. I have a new. Here's how I'm going to put it. I have a new nemesis. I know this is probably not how you thought I was going to start the show today. I let me tell you. I was up until three fifty in the morning. That's almost four in the morning. Three five zero four in the morning watching college football last night. For the you know by the way, behind the scenes, the way I do the show, I have. I have YouTube TV, I DVR, it has unlimited DVR space, so I just DVR every single college football game that day, and then watched them. I watched like seven college football games yesterday, <laughs> until four in the morning I was watching college football. And there's this new thing in the last couple of days that has been, oh, I told you, I have a new nemesis, here's what it is. The dog, my neighbor's dog, has not stopped barking, I'm not even kidding, for like three days, and, and I'm I actually, I'm not like, literally, literally for three days in a row... Bark, bark, bark. In the background, just always, constantly. I don't know if there's a squirrel making him angry. I don't know if he's barking at, like, cars. I don't know what's going on, but there's, like, a a giant building next door where uh, someone lives. And there's a dog there that barks all the time and will not stop. And, like, till 3 in the morning. I don't know how anybody that lives here, like, lives with it. I think, I'm sure everybody that lives in this area hates that dog. It will not stop. It drives me nuts. If you want to find me, like... Here's how, here's how you want to find Zach Schaumler where he lives. Here's what you do. You drive around Vancouver, Washington, my hometown, find the dog that will not stop barking, and you will find where I live. It drives me nuts. Oh, my gosh. I had to just uh, – I had to rant and share that. Uh, I watched a lot of college football yesterday. I know. Sorry for like – I'm not even sorry. I just wanted to share my pain is now your pain. Enjoy. I hope you liked my rant about how much this evil dog – Will not stop barking constantly. Um, yesterday I watched Penn State versus Ohio State, Oklahoma State versus West Virginia, Boise State versus Utah State, Georgia versus Texas A and M, and then I, at the you know to end the night, I'm not even kidding. I went to bed at three. The the clock said three five zero when I finally left my like workspace and went to my bedroom to sleep. Um, Oregon lost to Arizona State last night. I want to start though with Ohio State. By the way, today's episode. All about college football. If you hate college football, hey, watch tomorrow. I got a whole episode halfway done about the NFL. We'll, we'll do watch the rest of the games today in the NFL. Talk about those tomorrow. Today's college football. Can we deal with that? I hope so. Uh, now, we do have one Lamar Jackson topic this episode, which I, I love. I'm very passionate about it. I wrote it at 2 in the morning when I was angry and, like, I hate the way people talk about Lamar Jackson. It'll be fun. But first, 
Number eight, Penn State went to Columbus, Ohio to play number two, Ohio State. And man, it was a ton of fun. Oh my gosh. Uh, I had a blast watching this game, despite the fact that it was not... A lot of people today are going to look at the final score and say, oh my gosh, Ohio State, they kind of struggled with Penn State. <sighs> okay, the game was 14-0 to zero at halftime. It should have been 21-0, to zero, but Penn State got a really big break because Justin Fields, Ohio State's quarterback, after driving all the way down the field, fumbled on literally the goal line. So that means that Ohio State had the ball four times in the first half. One time, they ran out of time before halftime. And the other three times, they drove all the way down the field and should have had touchdowns, but one of them, they fumbled on the goal line. It should have been 21 to nothing at halftime. Instead, it was 21 to nothing after the first drive, after halftime of the third quarter. Uh, the final score, Ohio State won 28 to 17. And again, everybody's saying, oh, well, do you think less of Ohio State today? Because they barely, they barely escaped a game against Penn State. I don't, I don't understand the inconsistency here. So Clemson, Clemson is undefeated. They beat University of North Carolina. On, it's a squeaker of a game. They beat them by one point with a stop at the end of the game. Literally, here's how Clemson beat North Carolina. They had to stop. North Carolina scored to tie the game and went for a two-point conversion and failed. That is how Clemson beat North Carolina. Right, right? So Clemson almost lost, and they, they really kind of should have lost. LSU barely beat Auburn. They beat Auburn by three points. LSU beat Auburn by three points. And then the closest game Ohio State has played all year. Oh, no. The horrible game. The really close game. They won by 11 points. And you're going to say, well, do you think Ohio State should move down to the rankings because they barely beat Penn? Shut up. Stop. No. Here's the real, the honest evaluation behind Penn State and Ohio State. Ohio State never was trailing. They had to lead the entire game. And I think the reason why Ohio State fell a little bit flat yesterday, number one, their quarterback had a hand injury. He fumbled multiple times. It cost Ohio State. Number two, Ohio State plays Michigan next week. They have this big game on the horizon. Michigan-Ohio State's a big deal in college football. And when you have a big game on the horizon, it's easy to fall a little bit flat the week before. That's just how I don't like that's true. I wish that there were things differently, but hey, that's how football works. And by the way, every team in the top three, Ohio State, LSU, and Clemson, all three of them have had a, a somewhat close a game or some kind of a scare where you have a bad game. Ohio State's bad game was an 11-point victory over the number eight team in the nation. I, I don't understand. Oh, man, it's so weird. It is so weird uh, to me. Now, the, it's interesting. I feel bad for Penn State's quarterback, Sean Clifford, he doesn't have it. Like he, he, he's, you know, Sean Clifford had three interceptions. He's the reason why Penn State lost to Minnesota. I hate saying that. I know that Sean Clifford gets a ton of hate on social media. It's just true. He doesn't have it. He couldn't complete throws on third down throughout the first half. He was the reason why Penn State was losing so badly. And uh, Sean Clifford, the Penn State quarterback, got hurt, went out of the game. They brought in this backup quarterback, Will, Will Littles. I don't even remember. I can't remember his name. I don't, I didn't write it down. I don't really care that much. They, they take out Sean Clifford because he's hurt. And then the backup quarterback comes in and scores 17 points in a row. And at one point, Sean Clifford looked healthy and like fine on the sideline. And I'm almost certain they did just in fact say, hey, our backup quarterback's doing better. You've been struggling. We're going to keep you injured, quote unquote, on the sideline. Uh, what a bad day for Sean Clifford, man. Oh my gosh. And now there are two takeaways I have from Ohio State that uh, you need to know that I think are very important. 
number one, I was talking to my dad about this game last night. And I said, man, Chase Young is incredible. My dad goes, who's Chase Young? And I forget that, like, not everybody knows everything about college football. Like, for me, it's so easy. And I don't blame anybody. Like, if you're not super tapped into college football, you maybe don't know who Chase Young is. Chase Young is, I'm not even exaggerating. Like, I know a lot of people have hyperbolic statements in the world of sports. Chase Young is absolutely, easily, without a shadow of a doubt, (laughs) the best player in all of college football. He's a defensive end for Ohio State. He will be a top five pick in the NFL draft. He is unbelievable. And here's what I could not understand. So first of all, the guy had three sacks last night. And three sacks really should have been like four or five. A couple of the things, he tackled the quarterback in the backfield multiple times. And they called it a tackle for loss. So in total, he had nine tackles yesterday. Nine tackles, three sacks, which for context, some people, like some entire teams are lucky to have three sacks throughout an entire game. He had three by himself as an individual. And he, there was a play, there was a sequence where on second and, ten, uh, second and six, he sacked Penn State's quarterback. And then on third and 10, he did it again. Two back-to-back plays. He had sacks. And I'm, I'm not kidding. I, this is not a hyperbolic statement. I'm, I'm literally, I'm not even kidding. Dead serious this is what I saw. Chase Young was so fast getting off the ball. He was halfway to the quarterback before the right tackle was all of the way out of his stance to try to block him. I was like, okay, Chase Young, at, unbelievable. I get it. You're incredible. And here's what's really, really funny. For whatever reason, like a horrible game planning by Penn State, I've been so, you know, Penn State is a good football team. They've lost two games this year, I think, because they mismanaged games. The, the worst coaching decisions I've seen all year, and maybe the number one thing I've seen that just was like baffling to me, for whatever reason, I don't know, Penn State repeatedly kept trying to block Chase Young, the best player in all of college football. <laughs> they try to block him one-on-one. No help. You don't double-team the best player in the nation the, who is repeatedly destroying your quarterback, and they just never did it. They never eventually ever learned, hey, we should probably double-team Chase Young. They never did it. I don't understand what the heck they were doing. Chase Young completely disrupted the Penn State offense. He is part of the reason why Ohio State won last night. He literally took over that game. So Chase Young, uh, a lot of people say he should get a Heisman vote. I, I don't know. I think what hurts Chase Young is he had a two-game suspension, which you're just not going to be able to overcome. Uh, but is he the best player in college football? Yeah, like I, I absolutely the best player in college football. Uh, he, I'm excited to watch him in the college football playoff against a guy like Joe Burrow, right? Could Chase Young, Ohio State, versus Joe Burrow. Is that, by the way, that's my dream college football playoff matchup because Joe Burrow transferred out of Ohio State to go to LSU. So have LSU play Ohio State and then have that matchup with Chase Young trying to chase down Joe Burrow. <laughs> I would, I, I, that would be me in heaven. Like that, that's the national championship I want so badly. I made a video about it five months ago, like two months ago, whatever, a while ago. That's what I would love so badly is for LSU and Ohio State to play each other in the national championship. That's my dream. Now, the other thing you need to know about Ohio State from their victory last night. Am I talking way too fast? I, <laughs> I'm so excited, man. This is the best I've felt in weeks. I took Friday off. I relaxed. I didn't take Friday off, by the way. I watched film all day, but I didn't record an episode. I just, the episode from Thursday was really, really late. And I chilled and relaxed and I'm figuring out my life. I feel really good. Um, I want to talk about Justin Fields. He's Ohio State's quarterback. I was really really impressed with him. Uh, he has improved so much 
over the course of this season, from week one until now, he's a different quarterback. He's significantly better. And uh, I, I think you have to credit the coaching staff at Ohio State. Say what you want. They know how to develop a quarterback. From Dwayne Haskins last year to JT Barrett, whatever the past quarterbacks they've had, to Justin Fields now. The progression we've seen from Justin Fields throughout the course of the year. I want to do a film analysis if I can ever get my hands on the film from Ohio State. Uh, He really has taken leaps and bounds. There are three moments I want to talk about that highlight how kind of special of a college football quarterback Justin Fields is. There was one moment early in the game. It was a third and 11. I believe it was on Ohio State's very first drive. It's third and 11. They go five wide receivers, and I'm like, oh, all right. We can finally see. It's third and 11. We need Justin Fields to make a good throw downfield. How does he play on this down? Go five wide and waiting for a throw. And he actually avoids the rush, steps up, and runs for 14 yards. And I was like, on third and 11, your quarterback runs for 14 yards and gets a first down? Okay. Interesting. Wow. Then later in the game, on a third and seven, key third and seven, they need a touchdown. They're driving down the field. He has a throw on third and seven. It's a deep out route where he has this incredible anticipation. He throws the ball before the receiver's out of his break, and that's a throw that we hadn't seen from Justin Fields earlier in the season, which means that we're seeing progression from him throughout the year. He's getting better. He's, over time, becoming a better and better quarterback throughout this year. That's awesome. He's bought in. He's doing phenomenal. And then there was a throw, uh, his first drive of the second half, to make the game 21-0, he threw a touchdown pass, where he... Holds the safety in the middle of the field, stays middle, then throws a deep fade down the left sideline, perfectly in stride, just a great, beautiful ball over the top into the end zone for a touchdown, deep down the left sideline. And I was like, man, Justin Fields, I, you know, when I watch Justin Fields, there are a couple throws where I go, yeah, like that's really ugly. He throws wobbly, ugly ducks sometimes, they're just inaccurate because the ball comes out wrong. I don't love the way he throws the ball. It's not incredible. But as a college quarterback, the dude is phenomenal. He can run. He can throw. He can win a national championship at Ohio State. And I, man, I cannot wait to watch him, hopefully in the college football playoff. Now, I also want to point out one more thing. Justin Fields is a transfer from Georgia. (laughs) And uh, you got to believe Justin Fields is 11-0 as a quarterback at Ohio State who was deemed not good enough to play at Georgia and Georgia, by the way, is struggling on offense this year. How good does he have to feel to look at Georgia and go, oh, you guys would love to have me, wouldn't you? I don't, I don't think it would. I think Georgia loves their quarterback, Jake Fromm. But Georgia's 10-1. and one. They lost a game against South Carolina because their offense cost them. Justin Fields ain't got no worries. He's 11-0. And, 0, and uh, he's got better coaching. He's become a better quarterback. He's, he's progressed farther than he would have at Georgia. I think you know going to Ohio State was a great move for Justin Fields. And that's my, those are my thoughts and kind of my recap of the game between Ohio State and Penn State. It's a big win for them. And uh, I think they're going to go undefeated, probably be the one or two seed going into the college football playoff. And uh, man, I cannot wait to watch and see where Ohio State goes. I want to shift gears now to Lamar Jackson. Uh... I love, I love, I cannot say this enough, I love watching Lamar Jackson. He's awesome. Uh, He's the Ravens quarterback. He's really become one of my favorite quarterbacks to watch in college football. I love his personality. I love that early in the year, he had had a game where he threw a bunch of touchdowns, and he goes, 
He called out people that didn't like him. He said, oh, well, not bad for a running back, is it? Like, he's just totally owning the moment, making fun of all the people that have criticized him. And I'm like, yes, I love that. I, I just, everything about Lamar Jackson to me, he answers questions really well. He's not afraid to be himself. I really enjoy him. Uh, and one thing I really, really hate, like it, it just bothers me so much when people group him together with other quarterbacks. People keep comparing him and lumping him in with Deshaun Watson and Kyler Murray. And, and they're like, you know, the, all these quarterbacks can run and they're all the same. It's like, no, 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 no. Just because a quarterback can run does not mean they all run the same. It drives me, it irritates me. I'm like, you're, you're wrong. People in the media keep saying, well, you know, Kyler Murray and Deshaun Watson and Lamar Jackson, they're changing the NFL altogether. They're all doing it very, very differently. It's awful to me. Um, you got to be understanding that Lamar Jackson's running quarterback designed runs. There are plays that are designed for him to run the ball. Kyler Murray doesn't do that. I mean, look, I'm sure that every once in a while, I haven't watched every snap of Kyler Murray this year. I'm sure there are plays where they do a quarterback design. They do a zone read or they design a quarterback run for Deshaun Watson at Houston or uh, Kyler Murray in Arizona. But the amount of times Lamar Jackson's running the ball is so different compared to Kyler or uh, Deshaun Watson. And the Ravens offense is built around Lamar Jackson's ability to run the ball. I mean, there are plays where they have one receiver, a tight end, and three running backs in the backfield along with Lamar Jackson. It looks like a diamond formation in the, in the backfield. It's like, okay, this is a different offense. We've never seen this before in the NFL. I, I think, frankly, Kyler, I, I don't like saying this in a Lamar Jackson-centric video, I think Kyler Murray throws the ball better than Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson runs significantly better than Kyler Murray. And by the way, Lamar Jackson, here... I don't, I don't like numbers. I'm not a big numbers guy. But for context and for you to understand the situation, Kyler Murray has run the ball 67 times. That's a lot. That's pretty good. And Deshaun Watson's run the ball 58 times. Okay, that's also a lot. But here's how different Lamar Jackson is from them. Lamar Jackson has run the ball 116 times. It's literally exactly two more times than Deshaun Watson. As of right, look, it's going to change. They're going to play today. I understand. These are old stats that are old now. They're, I'm literally dating the video as I say this. But as of this moment right now, Lamar Jackson's run 116 times. Deshaun Watson's run 58. Kyler Murray's run 67. And it irritates me that just because they all can run does not mean they all run the same. They're different people. They have different playing styles. Stop lumping them all together. The Ravens are innovating. You know, there are two extreme sides here when you talk about Lamar Jackson. One side says that Lamar Jackson is not legit and he's not going to last in the NFL. And the other side of the argument says that, well, Lamar Jackson's incredible. He's changing the face of the NFL. He's going to change the quarterback position forever. And honestly, honestly, I think both sides of that argument are extreme. And the answer is somewhere in the middle. <laughs> like at most things are. You know, the extreme sides get clickbait and people pay attention to them. Usually the answer is somewhere in the middle. I think it is here as well. Uh, you know, number one is that there's a difference between Lamar Jackson and other running quarterbacks we've seen in the past. The difference here is that the Baltimore Ravens have embraced the way and, and really embraced Lamar Jackson's ability. They said, okay, we have a guy at quarterback who is incredibly special. He, nobody can run the way Lamar Jackson can run. So instead of 
you know, not using him to his full potential, we're going to design an offense that takes advantage of his ability to run the football. And to me, as a football nerd, I go, yes, I love that. I can't, I enjoy watching it. It's so much fun. And it's really, really creative and smart and different. The Ravens, I thought outside the box, they said, hey, most teams avoid having quarterbacks running. They don't like it. We're going to say, no, no, no. We're leaning into it. We're using our quarterback's best strength and designing an offense around that. That's offense. That's awesome. That is why Lamar Jackson is different from other quarterbacks who've run in the past. Other quarterbacks who've run in the past have not had teams embracing the way and their style of play and their full physical ability. We've never had that before. Lamar Jackson is different from other running quarterbacks in the past. However, (laughs) the other side says that Lamar Jackson is going to change the NFL forever. And before we unpack that, there's one more thing I I realized I I missed over and I glossed over. There's one. This is an important detail because I want to be able to point back at this five years from now. I hope you, if you listen to this right now, remember this moment five, six, or seven years from now. Eventually, Lamar Jackson is going to have to change the way he plays quarterback. Eventually. Either he's going to get hurt. I don't think he will. Actually, I really think Lamar Jackson does a good job taking care of his body. He doesn't get hit actually that often. But what's more likely is Lamar Jackson's body is just going to slowly decline. As you get older, guess what? Physically, your body degrades. It's just a natural part of being a human being, which means that in five years, Lamar Jackson will not run as well as he does now. Maybe it's six years, maybe it's seven years, but at some point, there's going to be a, a, you know, a, a peak where Lamar Jackson starts to decline, physically running the ball. And when Lamar Jackson does eventually begin to de- physically decline running the football, they're going to have to slightly adjust the Ravens' offense and say, okay, we can't just build an offense around Lamar Jackson's ability to run that that they are now. But eventually, someday, five, six, maybe seven years from now, the Ravens' offense is going to have to adjust, and Lamar Jackson's going to have to play quarterback a little bit differently, throwing more, playing a more traditional style of quarterback. That's just my opinion. I think that's what's going to happen because you can't run the way he runs for the next 15 years. Nobody can run for 15 years in the NFL. Your body gets beat up. There's a reason why running back careers don't last very long. You just, you're physically, your body degrades. Now, I think he has a good enough arm. I think he'll get better over time, and we'll just see over the years a slow evolution of Lamar Jackson. But be very clear, five years from now, I don't know that he'll be running the same way he is now. However, I think he'll last. I think running gives him like a long-term option at quarterback for the next five years, and then at five years from now, he'd better adjust or something's got to give a little bit. But here's why I do not think Lamar Jackson is going to change the way the NFL is played forever. Everybody's saying that teams are going to copy the Ravens. People are like, well, man, everybody, we're going to do what the Rams did. We're just going to copy the Rams. Here's my answer. Oh, really? You're going to copy the Ravens. (laughs) Who is going to play quarterback for you? Who, who, who are you going to get to be the Lamar Jackson in your offense? I'm waiting. I don't, oh, you don't have an answer. <laughs> That's because Lamar Jackson's special. The one thing I, I understand, like the excitement about Lamar Jackson, I love how much people have embraced him. It's awesome. But you got to give the guy credit. Give the guy a little bit of credit. There isn't another Lamar Jackson on planet Earth. It just isn't right now. I'm sorry. But if you're going to copy the Ravens offense, You kind of have to have their key ingredient, their incredibly special quarterback, Lamar Jackson. 
How good is Lamar Jackson as an athlete? I know someone who coached against him at Texas A&M. They talked about how the way Lamar Jackson instantly would be at full speed is unbelievable. They go, I've never seen a guy live run faster in my entire life. Lamar Jackson is not just one of the best athletes at quarterback in the NFL. In fact, he's, he's obviously the best athlete playing quarterback in the NFL. He's also one of the best athletes, period, in the entire NFL. The reason why he can run away from defensive backs and safeties and linebackers and everybody is because he's faster than almost everybody. Lamar Jackson is one of the best athletes in the entire NFL. Find me a guy who can throw the ball the way Lamar Jackson does and run the way Lamar Jackson does. Find me that guy and then tell me you're going to run the... <laughs> Fine, then maybe I'll believe you. But there just isn't another guy. Give Lamar Jackson the credit he deserves. There aren't a lot of Lamar Jacksons running around on planet Earth. A lot of people are saying, well, we're going to have uh, Jalen Hurts, the Oklahoma quarterback. I even fell into victim of this. I said this once and I was an idiot. I was wrong. And then some people said, well, we're going to have Justin Fields, the Ohio State quarterback. Okay, great. They both can run. Jalen Hurts can't throw the ball as well as Lamar Jackson. And their running ability, by the way, is not as good as Lamar Jackson. Just because a quarterback can run doesn't mean they're Lamar Jackson. Kyler Murray is not Lamar Jackson. Deshaun Watson is not Lamar Jackson. They run different offenses. They run different styles. And by the way, those college quarterbacks, Jalen Hurts and Justin Fields, they don't run as well as, Ky as Lamar Jackson. It drives me nuts. Everybody in the media and a lot of people over the world are saying, if you run, you run just like Lamar. No. Not all running quarterbacks run the same. Deshaun Watson, uh, Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, Kyler Murray, they run more traditional offenses where they play a traditional style of quarterback and run when they need to. When there's pressure, when there's no one open, they'll run and extend a play. Lamar Jackson regularly runs a play where from the very beginning, from the time the ball is snapped, his objective is to run the ball. He does that more than any other quarterback in the NFL because his team is calling quarterback plays that are, de that are designed for him to run. That's different. We've never seen a quarterback do this as much as Lamar Jackson has in the NFL. That's what makes him special, what makes him different. And then also, he's an incredibly gifted runner. For God's sake, stop. Please stop lumping him in with other quarterbacks all the way. Just because you run doesn't mean you run like Lamar. And then please give Lamar Jackson credit for how incredibly gifted he is. You can't just copy Lamar Jackson. <laughs> you got to also be maybe the one of the best athletes in the entire NFL. So for the please for the last time, I'm gonna I'm beating this to death. Stop saying you're gonna copy Lamar Jackson until you find a quarterback who's actually also as good as Lamar Jackson. <laughs> it's kind of like it's kind of like people saying we're gonna copy Patrick Mahomes. What, you got the next Patrick Mahomes? Oh, you don't? Oh, yeah, that's right, because you can't just copy Patrick Mahomes. It's a guy who's incredibly talented. That's all I'm saying, right? You have a guy that talented, you can't just copy him. you got to also have the guy who's incredibly talented. The X factor in that offense is Lamar Jackson. Notice nobody's saying we're going to copy Patrick Mahomes because they understand it's talent. Why does everyone take Lamar Jackson's talent for granted? I have no idea. It drives me nuts. I, it just it really, really bothers me. Um, but I, mean, I can see it. He's a really special quarterback who does really special things. Okay. Uh, Arizona State just beat Oregon 28, well, 31 to 20. You know, Arizona, I'm going to, how do we start? English is hard, okay? Arizona State just beat Oregon 31 to 28. And uh, the question is how? 
How did Oregon lose? There are three reasons I wrote down. Uh, number one, Jaden Daniels, Arizona State's quarterback. Heard his name a lot going into this game. I've watched him a little bit. This is the first time I've really sat down and watched an entire game of Jaden Daniels. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Jaden Daniels, a true freshman at Arizona State, um, last night against Oregon with 22 for 32 passing, had 408 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions. And the dude is electric. He's a great thrower of the football. I just am like, this Jane Daniels guy, by the way, true freshman, 18 years old, unbelievable. And I want to do a film analysis eventually of Jane Daniels. But for now, I just want to tell you that so far this year, he has 17 touchdowns and two interceptions. His team is six and five. They're not incredible. Uh, but I really think that there's some promise here with this kid, Jaden Daniels. Like the two quarterbacks in the Pac-12, I cannot wait to watch in the future. Oh, I guess obviously there's J- Jacob Eason at U- University of Washington. But you already know about him. The two young quarterbacks, Keaton Slovis at USC and Jaden Daniels at Arizona State. Two true freshmen, both in their first year ever playing college football, putting up incredible numbers. Uh, the other night, Keaton Slovis at USC threw for over 500 yards passing. First time a USC quarterback's ever done that. And then Jaden Daniels beats Oregon, a top 10 team at home, playing a great game. I, man, well, I guess it, at home, meaning it was home for Jaden Daniels at Arizona State uh, in Arizona. My point is that he played phenomenal. And you had better write that. Jaden Daniels, write the name down, save it in your record books. That kid is someone to watch in the future. Now, Oregon's defense was also not, not great. Uh, they, some of Jaden Daniels' success was Jaden Daniels being phenomenal. And some of it was that... Oregon's defense isn't that great. You know, Oregon's defense has been their problem all year. Um, it, they almost lost to Washington State. They did lose to Auburn. Oregon's defense has been a problem, and last night it cost them a game. Now, the real reason, though, I think, you know, the, the, the biggest two reasons that— the reason why Arizona State won is because their quarterback. And then the big reason why Oregon lost to Arizona State was because their quarterback, who is touted to be a top-five pick in the NFL draft, Justin Herbert— Justin Herbert wasn't great last night. Wasn't polished. He missed throws. He had moments where he wasn't good enough. He had two really costly interceptions that caused his team, I think, to lose. Bad decisions. And from an NFL perspective, I'm very, I have very mixed feelings about Justin Herbert. I really need to do a film analysis and break down the film and feel, figure out what I say. I will before the NFL draft happens. But I see all the physical tools with Justin Herbert. I really do. I see a great guy, a guy who's got a great arm, who can run and move, and he's big, and I, all the physical tools are there. But Justin Herbert last night against Arizona State threw bad intercept, two bad interceptions, two bad decisions that cost his team. And it's kind of a common thread. I've seen all three interceptions leading into that game I'd seen from Justin Herbert were like, why are you throwing that? That's a bad decision. And I, I just am not in love with Justin Herbert. I like him. I get why people think he's a top 10 pick. I really need to watch the film and dive into it. But my impression of him now is like, I like him. I don't love him. I would take Tua and Joe Burrow over, you know, both of them over him. I just, I'm not in love with Justin Herbert. Um, Someone's going to draft him in the top 10. But right now I'm not, I don't really fully, I need to do more research because right now I look at Justin Herbert and I go, eh, kind of costing your team. That's all I have to say. I just, I feel very, intrigued and I feel kind of weird right now about the Oregon quarterback, who everyone loves, by the way, Justin Herbert. So now that Oregon lost to Arizona State, 
in my opinion, the Pac-12 conference is screwed. I just, man, they they are not going to get a berth in the college football playoff, in my opinion. Even like a one-loss Utah team or a one-loss Alabama team, I think the committee actually picks Alabama. I really do. Uh, Utah is the only one-loss team left in the Pac-12. Now, Oregon will play Utah in the Pac-12 championship. And my guess is that Oregon will beat Utah. And then you'll have two two teams with two losses in the Pac-12. It's just a death sentence. You're not going to make it into the college football playoff. And again, another year comes by and another year where the Pac-12 conference cannibalizes themselves. They just beat up on each other. No team ever goes undefeated from the Pac-12, and it costs them entrance into the college football playoff. Every single year we see the same exact thing. Now, honestly, I think losing Oregon losing to Arizona State and now having two losses and being, I think, eliminated from college football playoff contention, I really think it's a blessing in disguise. It's a good thing for Oregon. Here's why. Here's the best-case scenario now for Oregon. Before it was go be number fourth in the nation and go get destroyed in the college football playoff, lose to LSU or Ohio State. Like That would not have been a close game. Oregon would have got embarrassed. It wouldn't have been fun. Now, guess what Oregon can do? Oregon can beat Utah and then go to the Rose Bowl and have a potential chance to play on New Year's Day and finish your season with a game that you win. <laughs> play against Minnesota, win the game in the Rose Bowl. That's a much better ending to your season. You have to ask yourself, would you rather go to the college football playoff and get murdered or win with a victory and feel good about the end of the year by winning the Rose Bowl? I think Oregon... Honestly, it's better for them if they just win the Rose Bowl and have a good end of their season. Now, honestly, uh, I kind of believe that th- that fourth seed in the college football playoff is kind of a trap. Uh, the three, the top three teams in college football, put them in whatever order you want, LSU, Ohio State, and Clemson. And then after that, there are four teams left who have a chance to get that final fourth spot in the college football playoff. I don't know that you really want a spot in the playoff. Um... Those four teams are so, those three teams, excuse me, LSU, Ohio State, and Clemson, they're all so good. There's not a lot of teams in the country that can compete with them. I just don't see, I don't think it's possible. Say if Utah goes to the college football playoff, they're the number four seed, they're going to get destroyed. They're going to play LSU and hang? No, they're not. They're going to get murdered by LSU. Baylor has no chance if they somehow made, if they go undefeated and win the Big Ten, there's no way Baylor gets into the college football playoff and wins a game. There's just no, no chance. Now, Oklahoma, maybe. If Oklahoma goes to the college football playoff, they're the number four seed, and if LSU stays at number one, because LSU's defense has some weaknesses, maybe, 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 Oklahoma could put up points on LSU's defense because, again, they're limited. I think Joe Burrow wins the game anyways because he's so good, but maybe Oklahoma could be competitive against LSU, but just LSU, not against the other two teams in the top ten. The top three, excuse me. Now, honestly, Alabama, even without Tua tongue of a low at quarterback, Tua, and or excuse me, Alabama, of all the options left of Utah, Baylor, Oklahoma, and Alabama, the fourth option, I think Alabama's the only team that you could put into that top four and actually have a chance from the four spot to win a game. I think they're the only team that could be competitive. Here's why. Let's say, uh, look, I understand that... Um, Alabama has this really annoying schedule where they don't play anybody good and they win easily against a lot of their games. And their only loss this year, however, is a five-point loss to Auburn. But compare Oklahoma to Alabama. 
who has more NFL guys, Oklahoma or Alabama? Oklahoma has maybe, what, three? They have a defensive end who's good, a uh, C.D. Lamb, a great receiver. They have a quarterback, Jalen Hurts, who's probably a second, third-round pick. And they, I guess maybe four. Maybe they have a, a middle linebacker who some people like. Down the road might be a, I don't know. But let's say Oklahoma has three or four NFL players. Alabama has like 11. Alabama has an entire side of the football's worth of guys that are going to the NFL. <laughs> it's not close. Alabama is significantly more dominant and physically gifted than Oklahoma, than Baylor, than Utah, than any other option you can put out there. What's the one team that could give LSU maybe a fighting chance? I hate to say it, but it's Alabama. Who is probably the fourth best team in the nation? Forget record, forget resume, all this other BS we care about. Forget the schedule, forget all wins and losses. After LSU, Oklahoma, and Clemson, what's the one team you have confidence could actually compete in that fourth spot? It's Alabama. It, it, it is Alabama. But you, you don't like that. I don't really love that. But that's the honest truth. Like the one team that's probably still the fourth best team in the nation despite their resume, it's Alabama. Alabama has the best chance to be competitive if they get into the college football playoff of all the other options left. Now, the reason why I didn't mention Georgia is because Georgia's going to play LSU in the SEC championship game. I don't think they have a shot. I think they get beat, and I think they lose to LSU. I want to go on a tangent real quick. Before I go to break, I have to tell you a, a frustrating detail of my experience following Georgia this year. Georgia, Georgia drives me nuts. I, I have never been more infuriated watching a team this year than by watching Georgia. By the way, last night I watched Georgia and Texas A&M. Uh, Jake Fromm, Georgia's quarterback, struggled. He had a horrible stat line. He was 11 for 23 passing at 163 yards, one touchdown. Threw some ugly passes. Uh, missed guys who were wide open. Now, I honestly think last night's game is not a great example if you want to really rag on Georgia's offense because it was raining incredibly hard. And I think when you watch over the television, it's hard for that really to come through the TV. You go, it looks like it looks okay kind of from the t- a high angle. You can almost not tell it's raining. It was raining cats and dogs last night. And rain, and when the ball is that wet, like waterlogged like that, it's just a, it's a pain, man. He had a, Jake Fromm had a hand, a glove on his hand at one point, and it was a mess. But throughout the year, uh, I don't want you to just look at the stats from the game last night. The game last night is a caveat. It was raining really, really hard. But when I look at the ingredients that Georgia has, and then I look at Georgia's season where, you know, they lost to South Carolina, and it was because the offense wasn't good enough. The offense cost them a South Carolina game. The reason why Georgia has one loss is because of their offense. And throughout the year, Georgia's offense has been so limited and been unable to keep up with their defense. And their defense is incredible. I think their defense is probably, arguably, the best defense in the entire SEC. And when you look at Georgia, again, all the ingredients are there. An incredible defense, tremendous talent everywhere. George Pickens, DeAndre Swift, this talent abode on the offensive side of the ball. Incredible linemen, giant dudes pushing people around. And then honestly, I think everybody at Georgia would agree with this. Your quarterback, Jake Fromm, is not perfect, but I like him. I really do. He's a good guy. He works hard. He has, he, he just, he does everything right. I think there is a ceiling that Jake Fromm has that's not being reached and not being accomplished. 
And it's really difficult to watch LSU and not be sad about Georgia. You know, what is Jake Fromm? Jake Fromm, the Georgia quarterback, what is he? He's exactly what LSU's quarterback Joe Burrow was last year. Joe Burrow, LSU's quarterback last year, was solid, but then he took a gigantic leap forward this year and became a Heisman Trophy, probably winner. Here's what Jake Fromm is. Jake Fromm is a great guy. He's a good leader. He works hard. But he can't quite seem to be good enough. Something is missing. Something seems to be holding him back. What is it? What's going on? Well, let's talk about LSU real quick. The reason why LSU's quarterback, Joe Burrow, tremendously improved over the course of an offseason is LSU hired a coach named Joe Brady from the Saints, from the New Orleans Saints. They hired him to be their passing game coordinator. They didn't hire him as offensive coordinator or quarterback coach. They said, no, you're a passing game coordinator. You're an assistant. We're bringing you in to bring in a new guy with new ideas to help our offense get better. Overnight, Joe Burrow becomes a Heisman Trophy probably winner because Joe Burrow, one, did the work. You, you, gotta give, you don't just give all the credit to the coaching staff. Joe Burrow, the quarterback at LSU, did a tremendous amount of work. Clearly, I call it you know boiler room time when I was in college playing quarterback. I would go to a boiler room, and I would yell through my protections because I could be loud in there if I want. I'd run our entire offense in my head yelling out play calls and yelling out protection signs in a boiler room. Call it boiler room time because when you're alone, that's what you do. Joe Burrow has a ton of boiler room time where he's done a ton of work on his own by himself. But he also had a coach, Joe Brady, leading the way, helping him understand where to go. He had guidance and he worked hard. The kid at Georgia, Jake Fromm, needs guidance. He needs somebody to help him. I really believe that Jake Fromm would buy in if you got him a new coach, but Georgia needs to innovate. They need to do something. I'm not saying even, I'm not even, I'm not even asking for them to fire the offensive coordinator, nothing like that. Bring in a new fresh mind. Bring in somebody who has a different perspective who can help evolve your offense and make it better. That's all I'm saying. I'm not asking for tremendous change and firing everybody. Just bring in a new person with new ideas. Do what LSU did. Innovate a little bit. Bring in somebody to help your offense because, man, it's there. I think part of Jake Fromm is Jake Fromm, I think, works really, really hard. I get that sense. He, it comes through. He's, he's a great guy. I really get a good vibe from him. But you can work really, really hard. And if you don't know what things you need to work on, if you don't have guidance and a direction to go in, you can just do the same thing over and over again and not get better. I wonder if that's what's going on with the Bears quarterback, Mitchell Trubisky. He can work really hard, but if he doesn't have someone helping him knowing what he needs to work on, it doesn't matter. Jake Fromm and George's offense need help because the potential's there and it's being wasted. A good, incredible Georgia defense, great, talented players, and a really good Georgia quarterback. It's all being wasted because the offensive coaching isn't good enough in Georgia. And man, oh man, it drives me nuts. It drives me bonkers. It's hard to watch. All right, uh, I'm going to take a short break. When I return, we are going to talk about, you know what? Do I want to take a break? I have, I have four things left. I'm not going to take a break. I can just keep going. We're, we're 45 minutes in. I'm going to drink some water. We're going to finish this bad boy up. I feel really good. We're going to talk about uh, two teams in the Pac-12 that I feel really good about. We'll talk about Chuba Hubbard, the Oklahoma State quarterback. We will talk about Jordan Love. And we're going to, I'm going to rebut, you know, do, or do a rebuttal to a video I talked about with the Packers where I got a lot of criticism. People, I think, missed the point. We'll talk about that. Let me drink some water, and we will... 
I want to remind anybody who wants a Strong Opinion sports shirt. Uh, shirts are on sale until midnight on November 25th. You cannot buy a shirt after November 25th. There are two options. Again, there's a premium cotton blend that's $20. It's a high-end premium cotton material. And for $25, you can get a performance-style shirt. That's a stretchy workout shirt. Again, you have until November 25th to buy a shirt. If you want a Strong Opinion Sports shirt, buy one before November 25th. Um, oh, boy. Well, basically, I just took a break in front of you guys. Just didn't pause. <laughs> Great. Uh, there are two teams in the Pac-12. There are, there are two teams in the Pac-12 that are both 6-5. and five. And both teams that I think will be significantly better in the future. Two teams I believe in. Number one is Cal. Cal is 6-5. and five. They just won a big game against Stanford. And I think they call it the big game, actually. And I'm, I, like, I, I just happen to say a big game. But also, I think it's ironically also called the big game. I, mean, I think that's what they call the Stanford-Cal rivalry game up in Northern California. Um, and then there's also Arizona State. Arizona State's another 6-5 and five team. They just beat Oregon, a top 10 team in the nation. So why do I believe in Cal? Here's my question to start this off. Have you ever been to Cal? I've been to Cal. I went and broadcasted a game uh, at Cal Berkeley. Uh, was it two, weeks, two weekends ago? I got to meet the people there. I got to go on campus. I got to shake people's hands and meet the people in that program. And, uh, oh, my gosh. I really believe in Cal's head coach, Justin Wilcox. It just He's a leader of men. It leaks out of him. He he's got it. I just I was like, man, if I was a high school, if I was a high school recruit and I was good enough to come here, I'm sold. I'm coming to Cal. I was like, so I so much believed in the message that Justin Wilcox was sharing. He's great. He's a great defensive mind, and he's got it. And Cal, a little detail that nobody seems to understand is Cal was undefeated going into Week Five until their starting quarterback Chase Garbers got injured. Chase Garbers missed a significant amount of time. It completely derailed this Cal season. Now, Chase Garbers is not an incredible quarterback, but he's solid. And I think they would have kept winning games if Chase Garbers had stayed at quarterback. They beat Mississippi, they, like Ole Miss. Literally, they beat uh, Washington at home. They had some big victories and had a lot of momentum. And then their starting quarterback got injured. Bam, season completely derailed in Cal Berkeley. But they're a good football team, man. They, I watched their defense against Washington State the other day, which is a Mike Leach air raid football team, a hard team to stop. They had great fundamentals. Guys are in the right spot. Guys are incredibly coachable. They play a physical brand of football. And I'm going to ask you one more time. Have you ever been to Cal? Have you ever been to Cal? I was so blown away. It's so good that I didn't somehow visit Cal Berkeley when I was a freshman in high school because I would have just completely dove into my academics, had a incredible, I would have worked really hard. I would have gone to Cal because Cal, that, that place, like the campus, Oh my gosh, I, I've been to UCLA, I've been to USC, I've been on campus at those places. I actually would pick Cal. I think Cal, better weather, it's 70 degrees in the winter, in the summer, it's 70 degrees the entire time, it's perfect. You're going to have a degree from Cal. I am so sold on Cal's program and their head coach. I really believe in their head coach, and I don't think the academic standards at Cal are as big a problem as they are at Michigan or at Notre Dame or at Stanford. They're still, they still have higher academic standards than a lot of other schools, but it's not as bad as it could be. I really believe a 6-5 and five Cal team, you've gone to a bowl game two years in a row, Cal is building something, and I want you to pay attention. There, you know, Next year, some quarterbacks and some people are leaving. Utah's not going to be as good. Oregon's not going to be as good. 
Jake, uh, Jacob Eason at Washington is probably going to come back. But, man, Cal is going to give the Pac-12 a run for their money next year. Now, another team you got to pay attention to, Arizona State. They're 6-5 and five as well. And I have no idea what happened in the middle of their schedule. Uh, they started the year 5-1. and one, Then they lost four games in a row, Arizona State did. Some of those were one-score losses. They lost to Oregon State by literally one point. Um, but now they just beat Oregon. You know, Arizona State just beat Oregon, a top-10 team in the nation last night. So we know where the ceiling is. We know that there's potential for greatness with Arizona State. I really like their head coach. He's another guy, a fiery, passionate guy. It's Herm Edwards, who was once a, an NFL head coach, who then spent some time with ESPN. And coming back into college, everyone was like, he's a crazy man. He's not going to work. I, I'm pretty sure if you go back and watch my old episodes, I said I believed in him. I got a good vibe. Like, this dude cares. Herm Edwards, you can't accuse him of not caring. He cares about his players. He cares about winning. He's there. I watched Chip Kelly at UCLA. I don't know that he cares. Herm Edwards, it's not just a job to Herm Edwards. Herm Edwards is there, bought in. He's passionate about Arizona State football, and he wants to win. And then not just a coach at Arizona State. I believe in Jaden Daniels, this true freshman quarterback at Arizona State, who is, wow. Did you watch him last night? (laughs) He's unbelievable. And I think Arizona State, honestly, is building something. They're headed in a really good direction. And I think that Jaden Daniels is going to build off what he's done last year. And I think that what he's done this year, excuse me. And I think Arizona State is going to build off what they've done the last two years with Herm Edwards. Arizona State and Cal. Justin Wilcox at Cal. Herm Edwards at Arizona State. Those are two college football programs in the Pac-12. I think that are heading in a direction and building something. And I believe in them moving forward in the future. Pay attention to Cal and pay attention to Arizona State. Uh, I want to now share my impressions of Utah State quarterback Jordan Love. So this is Jordan Love. These are my impressions. This is not a film analysis video. This is just what I've seen so far. And what I've seen so far is that Jordan Love is incredibly physically talented. Right? His arms, there was a, a throw last night. I was watching Boise State, Utah State last night. And uh, he had a throw where he goes all the way across the middle, from the left side to the middle, comes to the back side. It's a vertical on the right side. Throws like a 50-yard bomb into the end zone. And I just literally stood up and went, wow, out loud by myself. By the, you know, my, my mind, I watch film by myself in the room. It's very odd for someone to speak out loud when there's no one else around them. I did that. I was surprised at how good Jordan Love's arm is. Jordan Love physically has all the tools. Like he, he's got a great arm. He can move and extend plays. He's got good footwork. His fundamentals are phenomenal. And I understand, like a lot of people in the world of the NFL believe that Jordan Love is a first-round quarterback. I understand why when you look at his physical ability. Jordan Love has the talent to become a first-round quarterback. However, there's a flaw. There's a big problem I've seen when I watch Jordan Love. Sometimes Jordan Love can work all the way across the field. He'll go to his first option. Oh, it's not there. He'll reset his feet, look to his second option, maybe his third option, throw the ball. And he's really, really accurate. There are some things I like about Jordan Love. And then again, physical talent, it's all there. But Jordan Love has a really, really bad habit of getting kind of sucked into and and focusing in on his first read. You got to understand this stat. Jordan Love has... 14 passing touchdowns this year and 15 interceptions. He has more interceptions than touchdowns this year. A guy who's potentially a first-round quarterback in the NFL draft. 
Uh, I will be honest, very, very honest. I have not watched all the games. I don't know the context. Maybe all 15 of those interceptions, except for the one I watched last night, which was a pick six against Boise State, maybe those other 14 interceptions literally hit his receivers in the hands, bounced up in the air, were intercepted. Maybe, like, it's all just wrong, right? But when I hear a guy has more interceptions than touchdowns, I get concerned, and I know why. It's because he regularly locks into his first read, and whether it's open or not, he throws the ball. He's got great fundamentals. He threw a pick six against Boise State last night. And, oh my gosh, man, it was awesome. He, like, turns his, like, fundamentally flips his hips, lines up, everything looks great physically, throws the ball. It would have been on target except for the fact that there was a defender right there who stepped in front of it, ran it back for a touchdown. And I watched a couple games throughout the course of the year, and what I've seen is that multiple times he throws to his first option all the time. Like, that's, that's what he throws to, and that's what he's comfortable throwing to. Now, you also have to acknowledge that Jordan Love is on a bad football team. His football team, Utah State, is 6-5. and five. Um, They lost to Boise State 56-21 to yesterday. It was 42-7 to at halftime. That is not all Jordan Love's fault. There's not a lot of talent around him at Utah State. I mean, they were severely overmatched against Boise State last night. Kind of reminds me of watching, remember Daniel Jones, the quarterback of the Giants now? When Daniel Jones was at Duke, the talent around him was awful. And his team was severely overmatched all the time. It kind of reminds me of that a little bit. But man, Jordan Love's decision-making concerns me. He regularly throws... Like, I know there's, a, there's a whole thing, one-read quarterback. And that's a, I've never really heard it until this year. I think maybe Rex Ryan started saying it. Um, but there is a real thing where he gets locked into his first read and can't come off of it. He cannot physically get himself to say, that's not open. I better look at my second and third option. He just gets too locked into his first read often. Now, he's really talented, but in my opinion, Jordan Love needs to sit and he needs to learn. I think it'd be really good for the New Orleans Saints if they drafted Jordan Love and then took the time to develop Jordan Love behind Drew Brees. He's worse than Patrick Mahomes was. Remember, Patrick Mahomes needed to sit and learn, but Patrick Mahomes could do all kinds of crazy stuff and could look to his second and third option. He just wasn't refined. He made, he made too many bad decisions. Jordan Love has a specific problem where he makes bad decisions throwing to his first read. He just cannot come off of his first read. That's a big alarming thing. I, I get very nervous when I see that. Now, Jordan Love is a junior at Utah State. And it really begs the question, should he stay in college or go to the NFL? And this is one of the rare occasions where, and I never do this. I always say stay in college pretty much. This is one of the rare occasions when I say that Jordan Love should probably go to the NFL. There's not a lot of talent around him. I think it's better for him to leave Utah State and go get around better talent, play with better players, get challenged by better players, and you know, leave the small pond to go to the bigger pond where you're going to get challenged more and get better coaching. And just be challenged more as a quarterback. I think Jordan Love could develop a lot more in the NFL sitting behind a good quarterback like Drew Brees than he will next year at Utah State playing for a whole year. I actually think, honestly, it'd be better for him to pull Patrick Mahomes and sit for a year and then maybe play in two years from now. Now, the other option, he could stay at Utah State. I think that uh, Utah State's quarterback, Gary, excuse me, Utah State's head coach, Gary Anderson, is a really good man. I met him once when I was working for Fox Sports. Uh, I shook his, man, he just seemed like, he just it leaked out of him. This is a good man who, who cares about his players. And he was, at the time, he was losing, he was at Oregon State, he was doing horrible, and he just was a, 
broken man. I felt bad for him because I think the administration at Oregon State wasn't working, and it wasn't working for him at Oregon State. But I met this guy, and I shook his hand, and he seemed like a very, very nice, kind man. And the offense that Gary Anderson has running at Utah State, and actually, I think, I think it's actually the offensive coordinator who's got a, a really good history. He's kind of a, a young guy at Utah State, but people really like him. But the Utah State offense right now has been challenging Jordan Love a lot, where he's having to come off of his first read and throw to his second and third. Two years ago, the last couple of years at Utah State, Jordan Love's gotten away with throwing to his first option all the time. The new offense at Utah State has been challenging Jordan Love tremendously, making him do different stuff he has never done before. And that's good. Jordan Love could stay at Utah State and be challenged from a schematic standpoint. Absolutely. But then here's the question. Do you want Jordan Love playing with crappy players that aren't talented, getting hit a bunch because his offensive line isn't very good, and playing with, I don't know that, like, it's a risk-reward thing. Yeah, Jordan Love could stay in an offense where he'll get challenged, but he's also playing with bad talent, a bad offensive line. I think it's really better for him to go to the NFL and just start getting reps and start practicing and playing against players who are more talented and going to make him a better quarterback. I don't think either option is bad. Jordan Love's got an incredible, interesting decision up ahead. I would not be shocked if he left in the NFL. He's rumored to be a first-round pick. It'd be great for Jordan Love to go to the Pittsburgh Steelers or go to the Chargers if they keep Phillip Rivers or go to the Patriots or the Saints or go to a team that doesn't need to play him right away to where he can sit for a while, similar to what Lamar Jackson did or the way Patrick Mahomes did where he sits for a while, gets some coaching, and then comes into a game later. But, you know, Jordan Love is a quarterback who is really talented. He's a first-round talent. Arm strength, accuracy, fundamentals, great footwork. Uh, he just has these moments of where he struggles. He struggles a lot to come off of his first option and go to a second, third, and fourth. He really struggles at reading defenses, and uh, that's my concern. It's my long-winded concern about Jordan Love. <sighs> okay. Um... I am so excited to follow a running back named Cuba Hubbard and how he progresses in his career in the NFL. He's a, right now, he's a running back at Oklahoma State. And uh, I really can't, if for some reason, you know, NFL circles are not paying much attention to Chuba Hubbard. I don't really understand it, honestly. I don't know. Uh, for example, CBS Sports top NFL running back prospects for the 2020 NFL draft. Here's how they rank them. They signed number one, DeAndre Swift at Georgia. Number two, Jonathan Taylor at, Clem- at Wisconsin. Number three, Travis Etienne at Clemson. Number four, Zach Moss at Utah. Number five, Cam Akers at Florida State. Number six, J.K. Dobbins at Ohio State. And then finally, number seven, they rank Chuba Hubbard, the running back from, o- from Oklahoma State. I cannot figure out why NFL teams aren't higher on Chuba Hubbard. I think they know something I don't. It's, a, it's really a weakness in my ability to analyze sports. I don't understand the running back position well enough to know why isn't Chuba Hubbard being high, more highly thought of? I have some theories, um, it's, but it's a, this is a learning moment for me where I'm going to watch Chuba Hubbard's career closely and figure out why does he or not succeed. Because what I see is a guy who's pretty good. Uh, now, this is no, the reason why Chuba Hubbard is notable is because he's leading the nation in rushing yards. He's got 1,832 rushing yards. But leading the nation in something doesn't necessarily mean you're a good NFL whatever. You know, Luke Falk led the nation in passing at Washington State under Mike Leach, and he was a dud in the NFL, right? Offensive systems, like Oklahoma State's entire offense runs through 
Chuba Hubbard. They give him the ball so like, over and over and over again. They just run almost every play through Chuba Hubbard. Now, Chuba Hubbard is 6'1", 207 pounds. I wonder, is he maybe too small? I don't know. Uh, he's not, like Leonard Fournette's 240. He's not Derrick Henry big. Uh, I, maybe that's the question. Maybe that's the concern about Chuba Hubbard. Maybe he's not good enough. But Juba Hubbard isn't small. He's not, you know, DeAndre, uh, what's his name? Uh, oh God, what's the guy's name? There was DeAnthony Thomas was a running back at University of Oregon. Dude was tiny. Like he was a sprinter literally. And you go, okay, DeAnthony Thomas is, it's not big enough. Like he's just not big enough to have a huge impact in the NFL. I wonder if maybe it's because Juba Hubbard is a sprinter. Juba Hubbard relies heavily on his, his speed at Oklahoma State. Maybe NFL evaluators say, look, He's fast in college, but in the NFL against faster guys, his speed don't have the same impact. Maybe that's what it is. Uh, now, he, I really, he's really fast. He also runs through arm tackles really well. The only way you're going to tackle Chuba Hubbard is if you really break down and make good tackles. Maybe they say, well, there are more talented tacklers in the NFL. We don't believe that Chuba Hubbard's style works. I don't know what it is. I really don't. Um, Chuba Hubbard is a running back who's great with screen passes. He hits home runs. like Regularly, he catches the ball or he... Runs the ball up the middle, and it's gone for like 60-yard gains over and over and over again. On film, you look at highlights, you look at whatever. You see a ton of gigantic runs from Chuba Hubbard where he just runs in a straight line through everybody for a touchdown. Uh, now, I will acknowledge that Chuba Hubbard's receiving skills are not— he's not as good as Christian McCaffrey. His receiving skills are not incredible. Um, he, his pass blocking is average. He's not a gigantic—I think the word is like bell cow running back where he's not Leonard Fournette. He can't run over everybody. So I don't know, those are like the, maybe my questions. Is he maybe not big enough? Is it because he uses his speed too much? Maybe he doesn't run over guys? Or he is just a not a great receiver or his pass blocking? I don't know what it is, but for whatever reason, the NFL does not value Chuba Hubbard very much. And I am just curious to see his career. How does it play out? What happens? Because he's either a third-round steal in the NFL draft, third or fourth round, or a complete dud. And I don't know which one he is. And I... Personally, as an evaluator of talent in the NFL, cannot wait to watch how he does because it's going to be a big learning moment for me. Chuba Hubbard will either teach us, okay, guys with his skill set can succeed or guys with his skill set will not. So we're going to learn either way from Chuba Hubbard. And that's a storyline I cannot wait to follow going into the NFL draft and then going into next year's NFL season. Chuba Hubbard is a person to watch. And just I want, I'm really, really curious what happens with Chuba Hubbard's NFL career. All right, one more topic left. Um, I made a video about the Green Bay Packers recently. It's a film analysis video. Uh, it's called Why the Packers Win and How to Beat Them. And at the end of the video, I talk about how to beat the Green Bay Packers. And I think some people missed the point, which is on me, right? If I did a bad job explaining the point of why and how you beat the Packers, that's my fault. So I, I acknowledge that. I'm going to play you a clip. Here's what I said in that video. Enjoy that now. Here's how you beat the Packers. Number one, you need to stop the run and slow down their running back, Aaron Jones. Number two, you got to play really good coverage. You have to force Aaron Rodgers to be perfect. If he isn't, if he throws a pass that's off by six inches, you got to make him pay and knock that pass down or intercept it. And number three, most important, if you can stop the run and you can cover well, then you can get the Packers into third and long situations. And that is where, and this is super important, you need to have a good enough pass rush 
to create pressure on Aaron Rodgers. The Chargers have Melvin Ingram and Joey Bosa. And the Chargers created pressure by winning one-on-one matchups with their defensive line. You know, a team like the 49ers has the defensive personnel to beat the Packers. I would not be shocked if the Packers season came to an end in the playoffs against the 49ers. So one of the main responses to that video was people saying, well, that's literally how you beat any team. You stop the run, you do whatever. And I'm like, okay, I get it. I know what you're saying here, but it's not that simple. You can't just stop the run, play great coverage, and have a tremendous pass rush. It's not that easy. You need the personnel to make that happen. And the key is you need a defensive line with good enough talent to get pressure on Aaron Rodgers winning one-on-one matchups. A lot of NFL teams don't have two incredible defensive ends. The Chargers have Joey Bosa and Melvin Ingram. A lot of NFL teams don't have those people. A lot of NFL teams don't have the bodies and the manpower to make it happen. The San Francisco 49ers have the manpower. They have the physical people, the, the personnel to beat the Packers the way the Chargers did. And the point of that video was not everybody does. It's not as simple as saying, well, that's how you beat any team. But you need the personnel that's talented enough to do that. And not very many NFL teams have a defensive line good enough. And a not only a defensive line, but the back end in the secondary good enough to beat the Packers that way. That's why it's notable. It's not easy. Everyone's like, well, that's how you stop any team. It's not that easy. <laughs> you have to have the people capable of doing it. And so I just, I feel... I, Right Before I get emotional here and lose my cool, um, I just wanted to acknowledge that because I think a lot of people misunderstood the video and didn't understand that that's the point is that that's hard to do. And not every team can do what the Chargers did to the Packers. And that's why it's interesting to see what will happen. I know that, of course, I say beat every team. But the point is not every team has the ability to do that against the Green Bay Packers. That's what I want to see. Uh, and I just wanted to clarify that. Uh, Packers are really good. Maybe the Colts can do it. I think the 49ers definitely have the bodies to beat the Packers and the defensive line good enough to beat the Packers the way that the Chargers did. Um, But the Packers are really, really good. And it takes a special, special team to beat them the way the Chargers did. All right, uh, that's all I have for today. We're not doing Ask Zach today. I know that's kind of weird and bizarre. Uh, We'll look right at hour seven. And I have a new plan for the show. I want to make shorter episodes Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and whatever this is, my, my college football reaction episode. Um, on Thursday, I'm recording an episode that is just Ask Zach. The entire episode, an hour and a half, is just all answering questions from the Patreon page, the Ask Zach Patreon page. So uh, go to ZachShomler.com, uh, well, I guess Patreon.com forward slash ZachShomler. If you have a question you want to ask me on the show, uh, it's a dollar a month, dollar a month or more. Please help me pay my best, literally. Um, but a dollar a month gives you access to submit questions on Patreon. And then on Tuesday, I'm going to put up a post, respond to that. On Thursday, I'll answer as many questions as I can. I want to do like 15, 20. I want to dive in. I haven't been doing Ask Zach as in-depth as I would like. And so this is my new answer is we're going to do one episode a week. The only thing we'll do is Ask Zach. On Thursday, an episode will come out titled Ask Zach Episode 1. That's the first time we'll do it. An entire episode completely dedicated to Ask Zach. I'm excited for that. Guys, I hope you have a great day. Enjoy. If it's Monday morning for you and you're driving to work, I hope you had a great drive. Uh, I got this drink. It's not here with me. It's over there on the table. I'm desperately trying to get them as a sponsor. 
Uh, it's my favorite drink. Drink it all the time. It's perfect for social settings. I drink it with my friends when I'm out. I drink it uh, when I'm working. It's non-alcoholic. It's not super sweet. I found this drink, and it's not even water. <laughs> I found a drink that's perfect for me, and uh, they're not a sponsor yet, but I'm a dreamer. My dream is that they will become a sponsor eventually. Guys, my name is Zach Schaumler. Thank you so much, and have a great day. If you're struggling, please go get help. Uh, you may not know, three years ago, my younger brother took his life. Um, it was heartbreaking. It was a painful loss, and I learned two painful lessons from that. Uh, number one is that if you're struggling, go get help. My brother never shared his struggles. He suffered in silence, and one day I came home and found him dead on the floor, and that was painful, and that was awful. Now, the second thing is that I didn't make it clear enough to my brother that I loved him and I was there for him. So number one, if you're struggling, go get help. The suicide hotline is one 800 273-8255, If you're struggling, please go get help. But again, I didn't make it clear enough to my brother that I, I was there for him, that he could talk to me about his struggles. We hung out every week. My brother and I talked about video games and movies and all kinds of stuff, and we never had a real deep conversation. So I encourage you, don't be afraid to have a conversation that is about more than video games or movies or whatever. Ask your friends, hey, how are you doing? And make it clear to them you love them and you're there for them.